All right, boys, 2023, we're back. Shouting around podcast, Trav Harry. I think that's the first time we've done that. Okay. Let, let the guests take away. Bangers, boulders, whatever Bang you want to call him. Yeah, good to be here, boys. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Shouting around podcast. Hope you all had a great break over Christmas and New Year's. And What did you get up to, Kane? Christmas? Uh, Christmas, I was down at Victor Harbour with the family, and then New Year's, just a little house party in Glenelg. Very low-key, good fun. Yeah, beautiful. Nice. Yeah, we welcome Kane back home for a little break from Melbourne. Uh, but then he will be back in back with Essendon in no time. But uh, what a way to kick off 2023 and hopefully our biggest year thus far. Tarvin is only our second year, but uh, soon to be our biggest year for the Shoutaround podcast and we have so much in store. Yeah, and it's great to get Kane on, someone that's probably the closest guest we've had, Harry, with in our lives. It would. person would be the closest with someone that we've wanted to get on since the start, but due to scheduling issues and Kane living in Melbourne, which is why we're talking to him, but... It's great, but pretty excited to see how today goes and delve into everything that Harry and I sort of already know. Been there through the ups and downs and all the laughs and jokes in between. So yeah. nah, keen to jump into it. So of course Kane is one of our best mates from high school and still is. And of course we don't see him as much because he's uh, in Melbourne playing for Doing the Essendon Football Club, killing it. Um, but Kane, tell us a bit more about yourself, uh, a quick rundown for a viewer who has absolutely no idea who you are. So I'm currently playing at Essendon uh, Footy Club in Melbourne. I got picked up in the SSP period of 2020, um, obviously going to school in Westminster with both Trav and Harry. Uh, did my junior footy all through Glenelg and Henley Sharks. Shark Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then spent a bit of time on the Gold Coast, going to uni at the moment. Um, that's that's probably the the real general facts you probably need to know. At yeah. this stage, we'll dive into a bit more, I'm sure. But Yeah, but going back early on, you obviously had a lot on your plate during school, as I probably say this a lot, as has and I knew. But um, so you're doing, you're pretty much doing everything from playing high-level football, year 12 school captain, a few other things which we'll delve into, trying to do school and live a normal teenage life. How did that sort of look for you and how did it shape and what were some things that helped you get through it all? Yeah, there was a lot going on, that's for sure. Um, I think I definitely had a lot of people around me who were uh, supportive and, and guiding. I never, I don't think I ever really felt too much pressure of all the different parts of the whole, the whole period. Um, it all just felt very normal. I feel like they all kind of arrived one at a time. I was never overwhelmed with anything. You know, we were just going through high school and then... School captaincy was one thing that, that came along to that, but, you know, I had plenty of people as part of the leadership group and, and plenty of teachers and stuff that it wasn't really too much of a burden. Um, and then even the footy side of things, I was injured for a period there, which we'll get into. Um, so, you know, I was playing football early in high school, but I wasn't necessarily towards the end. It, it almost became a bit of a monotonous routine of doing my rehab and showing up to the gym in the morning. And, you know, I feel like football can be... Well, I suppose definitely one of the challenges I've found with AFL football is, is the pressure and the how much a weekend game can play on your mind throughout the week. And I feel like rehab's a de- very different thing where throughout, you know, high school I was just doing the same thing over and over. That was just It was just consistency that, that got me to where I needed to be rather than thinking about what was going to happen, thinking about things that could go wrong, um, which makes football so dynamic, I suppose, and, and more of a burden. Yeah, and looking at that time as school captain, looking back now, do you think it was 
definitely something you're really happy that you did and it was definitely worth it from a point of view because it was put you in maybe the biggest leadership position you'd had so far in your life and you also would have learned a lot of people and probably taught you a lot of lessons about just handling life in general and being organised that you maybe have transferred across to life as a footy player now? Yeah, I think even obviously learned a little bit of about communication and being able to think and, and discuss different things with different people and then I suppose then organise things as well. Um, but at the same time, it was no different to other parts of school in many ways where it was very set out and I, I had a certain number of things that were part of my jurisdiction and my role, so I just made sure I did those things. You know, I, I feel like in adult life a, a leadership position will be more reliant on you to come up with the, the things you need to do. Like it's almost like school classroom scheduling where you have different places to be at different times. Like it's all very sad if you know, I feel like school campus was very similar. It was it was a challenge but it was no no different to that in that I had different meetings with different people at different times and I just tick things just off. Just followed each along. Way. Yeah. Whereas like other leadership positions, maybe in the football club or in other kind of situations later in life, it's almost you need to look out and look at things which might need to be improved and then make those meetings yourself, not being told go here, do this, make this change, that type of thing? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think one of the main challenges we were faced with in our s- year 12 was obviously the COVID where we were, you know, away from school for a period of time and we all the events, I suppose, that we'd originally had planned for our year 12 year kind of got scrapped because you couldn't meet up with anyone, like you couldn't be in the same place mm. with large groups. So that was probably the only real time where we had to, you know, kind of shove everything we had aside and think about new things and, and new ideas that we had to be original with, like we couldn't, there was no blueprint to copy off at that with with in regards to that, so mm. that that was a big challenge. But otherwise, pretty straightforward, I think. How did you want to launch into uh, a cheeky little drink in shouting around fashion? Of course, of course. So start the year in a strong fashion. We actually welcome back our first ever guest on the podcast. Uh, shout out to South Ave Seltzer. They are shouting Kane around today, and I think it goes very well in the fact that uh, he needs to keep healthy in some sense. Uh, so it provides him some electrolytes and, of course, no sugar and some other good statistics there. I know one of your favourites, mate. How's it going down? Yeah, it's it's very nice. I do love these. Cherry. <coughs> cherry. Oh. Cherry? Yeah, cherry ripe. That's how it's going down. So it's not cherry flavour. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and then moving on, obviously we touched on a little bit earlier, but you were touted as a very, very, going to be a very, very early pick and that through your 16s and then 17s year came. And unfortunately, you fortunately you were playing in a resi's round one, but unfortunately you went down with a bit of a knee injury. Did you want to talk us through what yeah. was going through your brain at that stage and what the sort of process was? Yeah, it went down the drain for a little while there. I was in a bit of a bad way. Um, yeah, as Travis said, it was it was just round one of the under seventeens year, and I um, did my ACL coming down, just like a, a jumps jumped up and landed on one leg and kind of what would you say just hyperextended it mm. on the landing so um that was pretty difficult it definitely hurt a lot but you know this actually happened to me two times I got like misdiagnosed in the rooms after the game so like the doctor had said I was going to be like pretty okay like it was going to be maybe a four to six week um injury um before obviously going through the process of all the MRIs and going to see um a surgeon and and moving ahead with that process yeah I suppose my how young I was and how naive I was, I didn't really understand the enormity of it all at the time and you know, how long 12 months really is, which I, I think in the end was probably 
to my benefit in not having to, you know, be 16 and staring 12 months, you know, staring down the barrel at 12 months of rehab. I was kind of just thinking, oh, I don't know. I, didn't, I just didn't know what to expect, I suppose. So that was helpful. And, yeah, and then, and then obviously the second time round, it was again easier because I'd already done it. Like I'd already been through the whole process and I knew what was coming. So on the opposite end, rather than not knowing anything about it, I knew exactly what was coming and that I'd actually done it before. And that's, I suppose, pretty satisfying and comforting. Do you think doing your knee your second time, you were just maybe able to handle the situation a bit better from what you uh, learned the first time around? Yeah, definitely. Like I'd, there were a few complications the second time around it, from the surgery, and I had an infection in one of the one of the little cuts that they make, um, which is you know I suppose still haunting me a little bit now in some of my uh, mobility and ability to move well. Um, but yeah, you definitely learn things. The first you definitely learn things from the first time you do it in terms of the best way to schedule your week the, the different exercises that you should be prioritizing um the different people you want to spend your time with you know from a training perspective but then also a social perspective about how you can surround yourself with good people like we had at school we had a really good group of guys at school who would all go to the gym every morning and that kind of just felt normal for us and for me like i can imagine if i was having to do that on my own it would be a deep be, dark place yeah it'd be a real really really difficult like in it and almost just felt normal for us like i wasn't even in rehab i was just going to the gym with yeah. group of mates so and oh the oh you boys a little bit for that don't i and a few others hey <laughs> bit of fun um but yeah definitely and do you feel in a sense maybe i've got to a point during that injury where you're like oh i think i'm like all right now but and you're just so keen to get back to doing stuff but you kind of learned that no i have to keep resting even though i kind of feel all right i need to really wait and let this heal properly yeah, uh, I, I think one of the things that a lot of people who have done an ACL will say is that they've you get to a certain period maybe after you start running and have been running for a couple months, which is around about halfway, around about six months, I'd say. You've done a fair bit of strength work. You've been running for maybe two or three months and you almost feel invincible at that stage. You feel like you're back to normal and could do anything. But, um, yeah, you do have to be very patient and very slow with how you implement the next stages of your rehab and all the change of direction and jumping landing those kind of things are the probably the real danger zones and if you jump into those too quickly that's when you become vulnerable like you, you just feel when you're running like you you feel like you can do anything like you feel like that's a, a massive step and you like it's hard to imagine that i'm only halfway like i feel like yeah because there's probably all these other little things which your body hasn't found the strength or just kind of the building back up of the strength to be able to, like, if you jump, to be able to really land your feet properly. And you might be able to if you're really focusing on it, but you never know if you're just going to jump a little bit differently and your body just might not react. You might twist something so much easier. Yeah, I remember a few times, like, towards the end of the rehab, like, toward maybe the eight or nine-month mark where I'd started to come back into a bit more footy stuff. And there are times where, in the heat of the moment, like, I might just be playing footy and I'd take a sidestep or I'd jump high to try and mark the footy and you'd come down and I was kind of like in shock as I landed because I hadn't mm. I hadn't jumped like that in eight months and I was as soon as you get in the air you like you just totally zone out from the footy and you're thinking oh shit I've got to make sure I like focus everything on my landing right now because I do not want to you just feel like so vulnerable and you don't want to do it again like you just drop the ball and your view of my mind just goes yeah. straight to thinking it's not about worth it. feet yeah. so in the self, ground properly you become so much more self-conscious of that rather than just marking a football 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Were there times throughout either of the um, or call it the twenty-four months, where you thought this is all too much and football's not it anymore, or has football always been the goal and was continuing to be the goal? Uh, yeah, no, look. It's difficult. There was, it was definitely a long period and there were certainly times, I think, especially in the second uh, ACL where I thought, like, I might just, you know, pull the pin. Like, this is just really, really hard. And, I'd, you know, maybe early in the second one when you're looking ahead thinking, oh, I've got like six to nine months to go of just the same stuff I've been doing for, you know, 18 months already. Um, I think I found, like, just consistency was the secret and us and breaking breaking down what you had to do into really small chunks. Like, if you if you ha- held that view of, that long-term view of seeing how many months and how many different stages you've got to surpass to get, get back to playing, and if you just instead viewed it as you woke up in the morning, went to school, I've got this, I've got one hour of gym work to do, and I get that done and that's it. Like, and then I get on with my life, I enjoy spending time with family and friends and then I wake up tomorrow and I just do another session, just one more. And you just don't look too far into the future because when you break it down like that, it was just really normal. That's, I suppose that's kind of what I already said, like having so many guys who enjoyed fitness and, and going to the gym and lifting weights and those kind of things. Um, I just felt like I was slotting in with the rest of my mates rather than this you know, tedious long-term process. Yeah, definitely. And um, so who kind of might have had different people through both processes? Um, and, of course, there would have been people at the footy club. But who helped you kind of the most? Or you can kind of thank um, for really kind of getting you through and really getting you back to a point where you're at now. Yeah. Oh, there's been so many people. Like, there's been too many people almost. Like, I, I've worked with a lot of great physios. I've had a lot of great mentors in terms of just people, like people that were really supportive of me in terms of, Socially and, and on the field. Um, my original physio was a guy named Dimitri Mitzel. Dimi. So, and yeah, Travis had a bit of time with him for whatever whatever injuries Travis <laughs> had. <laughs> yeah, a few um, heart, P-hearts and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> um, I think Dimitri's actually in the UK now doing some kind of work over there. But he was a great guy. He's just a real normal lad type of guy. So it was actually quite fun going to see him and, and spending half an hour with him. Um and he gave you the information you wanted to know straight up. Like, he, there was no... Didn't tr- sugarcoat shit. Yeah, he wasn't trying to ease me into anything. He was just saying, like, mate, this is what you got to do. If you don't do it, you're not going to get the same results. So, um, he was great. Uh, some of my favourite coaches, I think, throughout the process have been Mark Stone. He was he was the Glenelg coach for my entire time that I was in the senior program at Glenelg. I never obviously played. Well, I, I played a few trial games and stuff. Um, but I never really played any games. But he was the coach there. He was just a really, really smart football guy but he also had a, a little bit of an empathetic side which I thought was great um James Wiseman and even like even the Essendon the Essendon physio team now like just the attention to detail and I suppose that's based on the just the incredible resources we have available as an AFL team like we have so many people with so many connections and this and they spend their whole day you know focused on the group of 45 blokes who are training um so just the amount of times they check in with you and, and the knowledge they have has been great for me to continue improving through the injuries because I suppose like even even now it would have been might be close to 36, 48 months since my first one. Mm. Like I'm still trying to keep pushing my mobility and agility and those kind of things to new levels, which I, I'm relying on them to do. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. and then um, I guess that sort of leads into the sort of draft process and yours a little bit different to most, but what was the chat like in the lead up to the draft and obviously a school fucked it and decided to put Valedictory on the same night, but um, what was the chat like from clubs and stuff about you and that as much as you'd like to share? Yeah, no, I'm happy to share. I don't think the school, like, Fucked it too bad. I mean, <laughs> they can't, fucked it. They can't change the whole year twelve valedictory down at dinner around one bloke. But um, when he's on stage for half the night chatting, <laughs> yeah, and shit made well to mention it in front of the whole group just to make sure everyone knew. That was, Didn't he? Um, but no, so I, I spoke to probably most clubs. I think maybe twelve, fourteen had different interviews in the months leading up. And I, I, I think you know, in hindsight, I had a really positive outlook on the night. I was pretty confident. Um, you know, I'd kind of had the earliest I was maybe going to go was like pick 27 at one point is some of the the word I had coming in. And then after that, you know, like it was like, oh, maybe this one, maybe this one. And they all just kept taking over. Best talent on the board sort of thing. Sort of as it got later. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I suppose. There was, another, there was a couple of other guys that got passed up. It was Jackson Callow who ended up at Hawthorne for a while. Um but yeah, like it was pretty heart wrenching towards the end of the night. Like I, in some ways, I was almost distracted with the valedictory night, and obviously, I was as school captain. I was making a few speeches and having to go up on stage and do awards and all that kind of stuff at different periods. So, like that was probably a good thing because I was just distracted and not sitting there on the screen watching the draft live. I was kind of just I didn't really watch it at all until right at the end there when all the valedictory was done and. I remember sitting around a table and there was like all all these families around and teachers and stuff like watching over the screen and I was just hands in my head, like just flat as ever, watching the screen and, and the drafts tick by and then I ended up just walking out. And like was it hard? Same by. Was it people. hard sitting there knowing so many people in the room that you probably wouldn't really choose to spend that night with and want to see you in that sort of way? Yeah, like I, th- I think a lot of the people there were the kind of people that I would want to share in that good news and meet yeah. out there with the, my schoolmates and, and a lot of the parents that I'd, you know, spent the past few years around. Like I think it was more embarrassing than anything, like the fact that it, I, it was kind of like in my mind it was kind of, I was kind of certain and and that kind of I suppose rubbed off on other people and and obviously everyone's just really enthusiastic and kind of just assume, like, I suppose not everyone knows a whole lot about the draft. They just know, like, oh, not, they've got, not this at 18. got this mate who's a chance. So everyone's just really up and about and always asking you. And, you and when Shep talks it up and he's like, oh, he's yeah. going to get drafted and stuff like that. And just everyone kind of always just believes what they hear and then they get really excited even though they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So then, of course, didn't get drafted and you probably looked a bit to- more towards... Gold Coast and your university opportunities up there. So kind of tell us through that and then when the little the bomb is cold. Yeah. So I, after not getting drafted, I kind of was looking more towards university study. Um, you know, I was never really set on the Gold Coast, but uh, I got offered a 50% scholarship to go up there. Um, and that, that would give me access to all the you know gym facilities and stuff that they had up there. And then I was staying also in what was called like a sport house. So it was just a not on-campus accommodation. It was 
it was just actually like a, just a house on the street, like really close to the university where I was living with three other guys who were all, you know, playing decent level sport as well, different things as a triathlete and a couple of rugby guys. So, um, yeah, I think that just made for a better environment, I suppose, where I was able to eat better, sleep better rather than, I suppose, you know, those university food. Yeah, well, it, yeah, the food, but I eat like the... University accommodations, you know, all kind of have a bit of reputation just being party houses where people can just throw a party a in, little the, bit of fun. in the kitchen, whatever they want or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously you went up there and you were going to be a part of the Gold Coast Academy yes. somewhat. Yeah, that's right. Then ended up at the Bombers. What was the chat like with your agent and stuff like that in that sort of process and trying to find your home and still trying to work hard to find, land you on a list? It was ongoing conversation um, with Nigel who's my agent um yeah I, I went to the Gold Coast Academy as more of just a platform through which I could do my rehab and have someone looking over me um yeah like I I was never really doing anything football because you know at that stage I was maybe only six to eight months through my rehab so I was still months away from playing any games and I and I was still I was actually that second time around planning on taking a more tentative approach in terms of maybe lengthening the rehab a little bit longer than the first time just to, to be, um, you know, a little bit more secure and, and more sure of myself because obviously after the first one, we didn't mention, but I, like I did my second one, the first game back after coming, after coming back from the first one. So, like, I was pretty flat about that and, like, it almost reflected poorly on my initial rehab, like, it almost looked like I didn't do it properly because then why would I come back and do it immediately after? Mm. Um, yeah, so that was that. And I suppose around f- mid-February, there was a little bit of discussion with Adrian Dodoro, who's a list manager at Essendon, and he eventually invited me to come down to Melbourne to spend just like just for a day trip um, to meet all the, the medicos and, and physios just so they could have a look at me and gauge... Um, how my knee was tracking and all that and unfortunately like I don't know if many people know this but the so they booked me a flight to come down there and it was like a seven seven ten flight or something like that and I thought it was a seven thirty flight <laughs> so I've driven to the airport gotten to the airport at like six fifty five or something mm-hmm. and I've gone to the reception desk and they said no nah, you can't get on the flight like it's too late so I there was me this guy who was hoping to get drafted, my first real contact with an AFL club, and I'd missed the flight, and I called Adrian, like, so apologetic. I was just, like, basically sitting there crying, going, you idiot, you've just screwed this all up. Um, but it was all good in the end, don't worry. Um, <laughs> he just booked me another flight, and I got there at lunchtime. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I just met all the physios and did a few single-leg squats and all this kind of stuff to show them how I was going. Um, and that was that and I um, went back up to the Gold Coast a month later Adrian called me and said hey mate do you want to do you want to become a player of this in footy club and I said fucking oath yeah fucking oath mate <laughs> let's do it um, yeah and then I, I was down living in Melbourne probably two weeks later and that's that yeah and what was the hype around like obviously you'd been told and first thing you would have done was probably call family and stuff like that and alert them to the news um and what was going on inside you was it just a sense of relief yeah yeah it was definitely more relief like I'd I'd almost maybe felt it coming just because of the discussions with Adrian had been going for 
so long. It was maybe a month of back and forth calls talking about, oh, I don't know, agent stuff, you know. Um, yeah. So I was kind of, I was pretty hopeful by the end of the call. And I, yeah, it was definitely more relief at that point. And um, I remember calling mum and basically doing the same call that Adrian did to me to my mum. I was like, mum, guess what? Like I was just like breaking her the news in a real yeah. cool and calm <laughs> way. And she was ecstatic and over the moon and all As that. As we all know Helen can be. Yeah, she can be in a different clip, which is available online as well. Hey, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely relief more than anything. And then you rolled, obviously rolled into the club about, what would you say, February-ish? March? No, it was yeah, March. Yeah, it was a little bit later. I was, it was actually the week of round two, I showed yeah. up. Cause they, they actually, because I had a, like a month left of the semester I was doing. So, I don't know, I cop a bit of slack about this at the club now, but I just like basically said to them, I was like, oh, I might just stay here for an extra <laughs> couple of weeks and finish this semester before I come down. Um, yeah, so I've, I've heard that a few times from the boys. Who figured did you? Out. Did I? Yeah. Yeah, I, no, oh, I stayed up finish, there. Yeah. I, I legit stayed in the Gold Coast for another two or three weeks just to finish the semester before I officially moved down. Yeah. Beautiful. And then, yeah, you moved in, moved down. And what was it like? coming into your first AFL environment as an AFL player and meeting everyone, meeting the coaches, obviously some of them you'd already been speaking to, but then moving to Melbourne, very different lifestyle from Gold Coast and Adelaide. What was that all sort of like? Yeah, uh, very different, very different. Um, I think my first, you know, the earlier I look back at my time in Melbourne, like I feel... um, the more difficult it was, like I've definitely felt more comfortable and, and found living there a lot easier the longer I've been there. I think early on it was very difficult. I was living with a guy named Angus Baker who um, was playing VFL for Essen at the time and we were connected through our manager. He was a great guy. He was great to live with. Um, but we were living out in Glenroy, which is, for those who don't know Melbourne, it's, it was very close to the club and where we train, but it's, it's a little bit further away from all the other, all of my other teammates, for starters, and then all the other kind of main attractions I suppose in Melbourne where you want to be for all all the action so that was difficult I probably didn't have too much of a social life not knowing many people or no one other than the boys at the club um, but yeah I suppose I just looked forward to going into the club and and being there and um, getting better as a, as a player and um, ticking off different things in my rehab but also just spending time in the club like just the fun that everyone has in there is like unmatched and yeah it's difficult to go in there and be sad all day like it, that's that's a really simple way of putting it but like you it's so like being at school again yeah like it's just a, a big group of guys who just talk shit talk, yeah talk fun. shit and train kick a, kick a leather ball around yeah we switch on for an hour at training and just be really harsh on each other and you build this really strong relationship with everyone because everyone is expecting a lot from each other, but also understands the different challenges that we're all collectively facing. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a very special relationship, I think. And so, did you play much that first year? No, so I was, that's right. I spent most of that year like, it, so as I said, I was on the Gold Coast taking a tentative approach, but then I got to the Essendon and they extended that even further. They went yeah. to the nth degree with that, and I ended up not playing until the last two rounds of the year. So that was. Ended up being like a 
month rehab in total, I think, yeah. second time around. Um, and that was – those were also very interesting games because that, that was right in the middle of, uh, you know, COVID where a lot of other sports weren't going ahead, but the AFL was. And so – well, the VFL wasn't, but the AFL was. Um, so, obviously, I wasn't playing AFL. I was just playing VFL matches. But what, it, what was happening was different um, – VFL teams are basically combining to practice matches. Yeah, pra- make practice matches. So, like the eight AFL listed guys from one team who weren't playing that week combined with ten from one team and two from another team. Yeah, okay. and it was like, like I remember my first game was the combination of us and the Gold Coast. Like I was playing with ten random Gold Coast Suns. You were in a Gold Coast Guernsey. Yeah, we were in the yeah, Gold I've Coast Guernsey. <laughs> um, playing against Sydney, and then. Um, you know, there were other games where there was, like, five different teams involved. Like, it was very weird but very cool. Like, it's very rare. I don't think that'll happen again. Um, and then you got to come home for a bit. So, did you put in a fair bit of work in that first off-season? Yeah, put in some work. Um, obviously, we've had on a great man named Jared Dutton. I trained with him this morning. He actually asked me to shout him out while so. <laughs> there you no go. No shock there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I do a bit of work with him. We obviously... Met through school, he, and he initially worked at Westminster, so he's a a guy you go to 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 try and what well, a guy I've been going to to try and develop my speed and agility and those kind of things, um, like acceleration. So try and do a, a session with him a week or so, um, but then obviously just running, lifting weights, trying to bulletproof yourself to avoid injury in the future. Bit um, of Jim Glenelg. Yeah, Jim Glenelg. <laughs> Marion Revo Fitness now. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Getting on to that, so you had your big first off-season and then you came in and played some practice matches and internals and stuff like that. And that was probably your, arguably some of your more official organised football, playing for the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, Remember that's you right. played that practice match against the Doggies. Yeah. And the JLT game that you were got selected in and stuff like that. What was the build-up like for those games and were you nervous? Um... I was definitely nervous, um, like just the prospect of playing against those really prestigious guys that we all look up to now. Like I, actually, like looking back on that Western Bulldogs game, I remember one time I was on the wing and I just looked up, and like Marcus Bondapelli was standing right in front of me. I was like, "What is happening? Like, yeah. what am I doing What's here?" Up, boy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Bond," because I was. Aside from that, you're just playing footy, going after the ball, and then I looked up, the ball was over here, and Bond was right there. I was like, "Man, I might just leave this." And just <laughs> oh, yours, I might Bond. Just let him have it. <laughs> um, he wouldn't add enough for the day, so I'm sure yeah. he'd add another one. But no, I suppose I wasn't nervous. Um, like we'd just done so much work throughout the preseason that like it's difficult, I think, to not believe you've got the the yards in the bank. Like you, some of the sessions we did were pretty ridiculous. Like I remember our last session of that preseason was like 21. 21Ks in total, and you don't run anywhere near that in a game. Well, at least I don't. Um, so, yeah, like I knew I was definitely but Bond capable. Does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he probably sure. does. Um, I knew I was definitely capable. There's obviously, well, I say I wasn't nervous. I definitely was nervous. There's a lot of nerves around just playing a game of football. Yeah, like in the pressure of wanting to perform and um, put your best foot forward to be selected, and there's all the pressure of all the fans and stuff who are, are watching you with an eagle eye critiquing you and wondering if you're going to be the next best thing or the next bust of the team or something like that. So, 
And then um, what happened to start the year? Well, yeah, and then well, there was a few timely injuries in hindsight that, that probably let me get a look in, but I ended up debuting round one against the Cats at the MCG, which was a big thing. It was awesome throughout the week how it got announced and... Um, yeah, it was, I think, a big relief. Like, it got announced a little bit earlier in the week than a, a debut mm. or a team selection might usually be. So, like, I got announced that I was playing, like, on the Monday or something. Yeah. Whereas team selection does come out, to yeah. like, the Thursday yeah. or Friday. So, um, I, you know, I was kind of on cloud nine for that whole week just um, trying to get through training without... Hey, yeah, no, no, I'm not getting a hard ball. Yeah, I'm playing this week. Staying out of any contests or whatever. Um and you made that phone call to your mother for that one. Is that that's the video? That yeah, I that's the video. Saying? I yeah. mentioned that that you can find that online. If where are you? We'll put it on our story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all de- debutants get to call their parent and break the news to them, and mum got some tears going as she does. So, hey. <laughs> God, that got received well online. And then obviously the day came, and what was your prep like for that? Were you like this is any other game of football or? Obviously, because you hadn't played much football, was it like shit? Like, do I have to go over and above? And did you find yourself do too much and try and prepare too much? Or um, no, I don't think I over prepared or anything. I was, I think it was just nerves, um, just of doing something new. Like, I actually I played the week before in the JLT game, which is kind of like the official warm-up game for the AFL. Yeah, and Oscar, um, Oscar Connor and I were lucky enough to happen to be in Melbourne at the time. Yeah, that's right. Um, in, in a suit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> at the foot. Some of the most annoying crowd members <laughs> of the Standard, night. especially when we had the Flemington books out going like this. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't even at the races anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'd played that and I'd kind of had a bit of experience. Like I'd been through all the Marvel change rooms and that, which was new and, and cool and made it feel very real. Um, but I think that definitely helped me for the the following week. Um, I think maybe just the, like the crowd and the how big the occasion was of a round one, like round ones. The crowds, like the, it was like eighty five thousand people there. And yeah, you fucking cost me an arm and a leg to go to Melbourne twice <laughs> in two weeks. <laughs> but that's um, alright. Yeah, like at at that point, I wasn't nervous for any like performance reasons. I was just nervous because it was new and like I was. You know, it's the big this is my debut. Like I was nervous for that reason. Like I think that definitely changed. The more games I played, I almost became more nervous. Like based on not wanting to screw things up, and you get very self conscious about the people who are watching and um, the different opinions that people float out, which we all you know try and avoid. And you know, every decent influence will tell you not to read anything online or Instagram or Twitter and those kind of things. But they they're pretty inescapable. So I think, yeah, that was definitely a different kind of nerves. So you obviously spent time up and down throughout the 2022 season. Um, well, quickly run us through. What were those? Because I feel like the four games you did play were um, pretty big ones. Yeah. Well, I, so I played round one against the Cats. That was obviously a big crowd because it was round one. But then I next might have – well, maybe the next game I played was Anzac Day, I think. What was that like? Oh no, sorry. The, the dogs. We played the dogs the week before, which was good to keep my first goal of that game. That was that's right. We all got hammered. <laughs> oh, I remember, remember that. that? We're at your house. Room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I kept talking, to, kept talking about Peter Wright, Bez. <laughs> These boys getting hammered pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So the next week was Anzac Day, and that was 
very special, uh, very surreal to be standing in line there at the as the you know the last post and all those different um, all the different parts of that that ceremony were being done. Yeah, like I I suppose it's very different to watching it. Like you don't actually I don't think you really or I didn't definitely get to take it in as much as I would have liked to. Like I was almost just thinking about the game and wanting to stay warm because like you're actually standing there for like 10 minutes. Yeah, because you were saying you had to do your warm-up so much earlier. Yeah. And so you the have to wait, cool down. The warm-up for the game gets moved a little bit earlier because obviously they need time to set up the field and get all those get all those things out on the oval so they can run that ceremony properly. So we, you know, we were doing our warm-up an hour before the game started. So we would did our warm-up on the field, came back in, and then we are kind of sitting around for maybe half an hour or so trying to stay warm and then you go out there run around a bit and then line up again for another 10 minutes so that is a little bit different um you know a lot of guys are kind of just like standing there like shaking their legs out trying to keep a bit of blood flowing um but yeah at the, sa- at the same time like you do just try and switch off and think like wow this is pretty like special this is what it is yeah not many people get to do this and there's you know you could hear you could literally like you literally can hear a pin drop in the in this building of 85, 90,000 people, or just pure silence where you can hear the birds chirping and, like, it's, it's crazy, yeah. How'd it feel when that, uh, the camera just, like, walks along the whole line and it goes past you? Yeah, well, the, the camera actually didn't, because my mum was watching and waiting, obviously, because my mum has always said to me, if you're ever on that screen and there's a national anthem being played, you better be singing. Like, she's yeah. just always <laughs> said that to me. I've, I agree with Helen. From a young, young, young age, he's always said, "You better bloody sing that national anthem." So I was like thinking, "Oh, mum's belting every word mum's out." <laughs> mum was, the boy's mum like, "Can you shut up?" <laughs> um, I find that really weird, actually. Like, you look at a lot of sports around the world, and like everyone doesn't sing it. No, like people, like from different countries, people belt it. Like yeah. Yeah. all the European countries, I feel like at the World Cup, like they belt their own. And then you watch like different sports in Australia, and people are either not singing or like mumbling it. But yeah. um, so I was definitely. Oh, and the camera just missed you. The camera went too slow. He started on Collingwood, <laughs> and he like went too slow. So by the end of the song, he had to like basically run to <laughs> past all of us to get us all because he just didn't yeah. time it well. And he also lost his job at the end of that song. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That was it. And then obviously. I think it was your final AFL game for the year was against my boys, the Hawks, and I had it in the calendar pretty early that I was just going to come over and watch whatever level of football you played, but you got a bit of a weird late call-in through a bit of sickness and stuff like that. Yes, we there was like four guys that had pulled out um, on the day of the game, so um, you know throughout that whole day I was just sitting by my phone kind of expecting a call because... Like, I was already one of the emergencies for the game. But, yeah, like, there was there was word that potentially, like, three or four guys were going to miss. So, b- by the early afternoon, I was kind of expecting to play. I kind of locked myself in. And, like, there was probably eight or nine guys who showed up to the rooms that evening just in expectation that there might be more guys that dropped out. And so, like, there was a number of guys who had never been an emergency that were now an emergency and... Alistair Lord was the sub. The pie. Yeah. My mate. The pie Lord. There's a rumour that Alistair Lord eats. No rumour. Can confirm. <laughs> and he, if he listens to this, which I'll send it to him and tell him he got a mention. You better, you, we better tell him actually what happened. Like. Yeah. So, what was it? JLT game. 
obviously he was a new draftee and whatnot. And Connor and I and Oscar, we'd had a few uh, alcoholic beverages that day, and we're at the JLT game, and Lordy's walked past, and he's holding two meat pies. <laughs> And we just thought, oh no, who's this bloke? And then found out he was a fellow South Australian and in Alastair Lord himself and happened to be his last name, Lord. So we're like, we had a little joke going between us and then we rolled up to round one and he's eating chicken strips. So we just knew, we just knew he was a pie lord because he just inhaled them. Uh, any game, any chance he could get. But then... He's a good kid. He's much better now. Yeah, and then I remember getting stuck, not stuck into him, but at the Mosley one night, just... Telling him we called him the Lord and the Pie Lord, and it sort of stuck on from there. But getting back to that Hawks game, you, I remember you picked me up that morning and you were on the phone to your mum and you said, Yeah, yeah. Or well, Helen actually told me, You know, he's playing. And I sort of knew that night, going to bed the night before, I went, nah, Kane's going to play tomorrow. I could just, there's that feeling. Yeah. And obviously you did. And yeah, what was, what was it like for you that day to sort of turn it around so quick, going from, the night before, did you prepare like you were going to play? Or what um, was the sort of feeling on your end? I hadn't really heard too much about potentially playing the night before. Like, I'd kind of approached the night before as if I was playing VFL. But I think probably for the whole team, it was a bit of a bit of almost a refresher. Like, it added a bit of excitement and energy into the game just for some weird reason. Like, we were maybe... Like, I don't want to say we were already against the odds. Like, because it's... Like we it was only the Hawks. No, well, no, not even that. Like we were, we still fielded a good team, and like we knew everyone. I suppose that was coming in was still capable, but like we just lost four players who were initially in the starting twenty twenty two. So there was that feeling like, oh, we've kind of got nothing to lose. Like let's just really dip in. And so there was a real energy about us that day. And like we ended up coming back, we kicked the last eight goals or something to come back and win. Yeah. It's probably the only real game I remember the most out of like the whole year. Yeah. Yeah, that game was ridiculous. That was by like by far the best game I played and I was absolutely exhausted but like Yeah. The problem was I was wearing a hawk scarf running yeah. around cheering when you kicked that goal late. Yeah. And I had a few people looking at me a bit funny, but Yeah, no, that was a great day. I really enjoyed that. That'd have to be yeah, one of my best memories so far. And like some of the guys I was playing with, like Devin Smith, I was playing with him that day and he Tired now. Um, yeah, great day. Great day. Great outcome. Then spent a lot of time also in the VFL during that year. So sometime up in the AFL and sometime down, but still did a fucking great effort in VFL. Uh, so led the league. Uh, sorry. Yeah, for your team, most goal goals kicked. Probably the right way yeah, to say sorry, it. That's the way I say it. got there. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So how was that? Like just kind of being able to perform that well. Um, all year long Yeah um, Yeah that was good I kind of uh, Played a lot of my AFL early in the year Like I played my last Game of four was round eight So after that I played the next What's that 10 to 12 games or so In the VFL Back to back So that was Good for me to build a bit of confidence After not really You know obviously I got dropped from the AFL So I wasn't I wasn't Putting my best on the floor up at that level, so I was probably a little bit low on confidence coming out of that, and it was really good for me to just go back and find a bit of consistency and find some form. And I think just being a, a more prominent part of the team and like being a bit more of a leader in that amongst that group was helpful as well. Like, like definitely, there's, there's something about feeling like valued and feeling like you're really contributing that does wonders for your confidence and um, your attitude towards 
towards the game, like I in the in the AFL, looking back, I feel like a lot of the time I was more worried out there, more out there, more worried about not making a mistake than actually, like, not caring know, and just yeah, know, like really trying to just do my best and and do something positive. I was just like almost hiding in some ways. Well, not I wasn't hiding out there, but like in your head, you're. So in general, you just felt a bit more comfortable, confident. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, like our forward line, I'm, I'm really good mates with a lot of the guys in that VFL forward line, like Patrick Voss and Michael Hurley as well, who obviously is retired now as well. But he, bear, yeah, the bear. Um, he played a little bit of VFL late in the year, so yeah, like it. The VFL obviously is a younger team, so I was playing with a lot, probably closer. Lordy off the halfback. Yeah, Lordy off the halfback. Zach Reed. Um, Cody Brand at the time, like it was really Bit more guys that age. I, yeah, guys that I spent a lot of time with around the club, so it was really fun, and I suppose that contributed to my performance. Yeah, and then obviously end of the season came, and you boys all jetted off to Ibiza, and rumor is Drape said it on the uh, two hundred plus pod that best on Kane Baldwin, and then Drape um, Gaza goes, ever. "Who's that?" <laughs> yeah, Gaza, thanks, Gaza. Um, but I yeah. don't expect him to know who I was. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was so much fun. I think the reason that I was potentially like up there in the votes was just like backing it up. Like you just had to be each pure night. excitement. Yeah, well, like the it was only a this fight. is a new person. When the fuck are you ever backed out? <laughs> yeah, well, no, like it was just a matter of like there was four nights or five nights actually where we would like at a different club or a different. On stage with the fish man. Like fish it was man. just a matter of um, getting there, like getting to every night. Like a lot of guys kind of carked it out. Like they just weren't able to back it up. Like they'd have to sleep throughout a night and they'd miss a night. Like it was just a matter of being there and I just didn't want to miss any of it. Like I was thinking like, how often am I going to get over here? I just want to make sure I'm at every one of these nights. So I'd, you know, time you sleep well throughout the day, maybe book in some nutrition or something like that to, to really fuel me up for yeah. the night. Like a kebab or yeah. AV yeah. pack. A little joke about the glizzy, the glizzy sausages that were hanging around at the sports bar <laughs> at the hotel we stayed at. They were just on tap, these like little, those Frankfurt sausages and people would just like suck them down like all, all day. Love it. And now, of course, it is the off season and uh, big year coming up, uh, especially the AFL opportunities you got so early on last year and the way you still performed in the VFL when you were playing there. So what have you been doing to kind of plan and get ready for the upcoming season? Yeah, I've been doing a bit. Like, I've just been um, trying to do the program we've been given to the best of my ability. Like, so obviously after we didn't make the finals, we went into about a week or two weeks of a break before we get our program and we're basically, you know, for the most part, we're back into the full swing of training. You're obviously not going to the club. Like, you can be where you want to be. Like, you can come out to Adelaide or you can do whatever you want, but you still have um, training requirements in terms of weights and running to do. So I was just trying to do that to the best of my ability, do a few different other things that, uh, like, as, as we've spoken about it, working with Jared a little bit, little bit over and above and doing some boxing and those kind of things. Just trying to change it up a bit? Yeah. Well, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a long year. Like, you do a lot of the same stuff for... Months on end, so like a lot of the advice I got from the older guys is to try and stay away from the club in that period. Like, because you're going to be there for a long, long time. You're going to be doing the same stuff in the club for a long, long time in season. So enjoy your time off. Have a bit yeah. of a different setting while you're doing yeah, all that working out. That's right. Just try and do a few different things that you wouldn't really get the opportunity to do. Like I, 
I even think about like Took Miller, who's the Gold Coast player. I remember seeing on Instagram him doing some stuff with like the Surf Life Savers up on up on the Gold Coast, like just doing paddles and stuff with them. Like that, he's never random. Sort of yeah, stuff, it's just a different way of um, training, engaging your mind, and um, see so yeah, how just doing those kind of things would be really beneficial. And then we had a four week block just pre-Christmas where we went pretty hard, obviously got a new coach and so things are a little bit different. There's um, a few different things that we're trying to implement in the way we play. Um, and, and Brad Scott, who is the new coach, he's been really good with the way he's drip-fed, I suppose, those those new ideas. Like he hasn't kind of come in day one and dropped this whole new booklet of game plan or whatever that we're just supposed to learn immediately. Like we're... We're practicing one thing, and and when we get the hang of that, we add another thing, and it's just building and building. And um, I think everyone's pretty grateful of that. But it's obviously there's clear there's going to be a few new focus areas for the year that is going to be different from before because obviously we need to change a little bit of the, of the way we play, the way we defend particularly. Because obviously, past few years it hasn't been working. So, what's your goals for you then? Or you and the team kind of this year? Is there anything that you really want to accomplish? Uh, not in particular. Like, I'd, I've been hesitant to put a number of games I want to play as a goal. Like, I'd, I just want to play as much AFL as I can. Yeah. Um, you know, if anything, more than last year is probably the goal. Like, more than four games would be handy. I definitely don't expect to walk in and play 20 games and be a, a starter in the side, but I just want to... Um, you know, maybe your goal would be to just go through a period where I get dropped and then I'm able to come back. Um, and be consistent and maybe be there for a bit? Yeah, well, that's right. Like, I, like as I said last year in the VFL, I, I got dropped after round eight and then just stayed in the VFL. Like, I wasn't able to... Bounce back. Yeah, I wasn't able to, I suppose, bounce back or, or fulfil what I needed to fulfil for the coaches to want to put me back in. Like, and uh, but I think there's definitely some merit in that. Like, I, I'm sure... Well... I hope not, but I'm sure I'm being realistic, there will be a time that I might play and then get dropped. So um, how can I be really diligent with the way I prepare and watch the vision and, and talk to different development coaches about how I can improve and um, you know be more dynamic in the way I'm preparing rather than just sinking into routine, um, I suppose, if that makes too much sense. Yeah, yeah and then... Just a bit on to your pre-season, you've obviously been back with the full group for a little bit now. Who's looking in good shape? Mm, there's plenty of guys, there's plenty of guys. Um, How's Bez looking? He's in real good, Nick. He had, he had a um, bit of a calf injury throughout off-season, but he's managed that real well. He's come in superb, Nick, considering that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's dominating the aerial craft as he does. That's his kind of domain, the, the marking and... And body craft, so I try to latch onto him in that area. Um, Patrick Voss, and then there's actually some of the older guys who have come back in superb nick. I think Dyson Apple might be in the best nick of his life. Maybe is the rumor going be around cool. at least. And same with same with Zach Merritt. He's come back with a a really rare intensity, like something that's probably leading the group right now. I um, mean, the way he's approaching his training, um, driving the standards, like it's um, you know clearly something he's focusing on um yeah how should we jump into arguably my favorite part of the podcast a few quick fire quick, questions quick fire 
Have a quick we need to get a little make, sting for that, I reckon, now. Yeah, make Should a little we? audio thing. Yeah. Shit, I might have to look into it. We'll do like some pre-recording, put chuck some effects on. Maybe we edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Has, do you want to take it away or do you want me to? Mate, this is your thing. Go All ahead. Right. So i got to answer these really quick. Yeah. Sure. Who's going to win the BNF? There's BN- not that many there. <laughs> no, there's only like five. <laughs> Who's going to win the BNF for 2023? Zach Merritt. Pre-game. Ah, ah. Back and it. forth, mate. Yeah. Uh, what's your go-to pre-game feed? I don't know, right before the game, but morning is oats. Oats every morning. I didn't miss that once last oh, year. Well, Aaron, do you still have your bloody raw egg shakes? We don't mention that, mate. <laughs> oh, I used to... Oh, Salmonella. I've got some, <laughs> I've got some nutritional it. advice <laughs> since then, but I used to have... Like, <laughs> to be fair, your coat was looking pretty good. <laughs> like, I used to have different, like, shakes, like, different smoothies, as most people do, like, different maybe protein smoothies as well, but I chucked a raw egg in there every now and again. Like, I don't see too much of a problem with it. Like, I got so much hate at school, but people... Eat eggs raw. Like, people just crack an egg and chuck it in their gob. Yeah, like my dog, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> well, people do it as well. So I just figured it was all right. But, like, the pro- I think the problem really came when I, like, chucked it in my locker for a couple of hours or something whilst I was at school. I wonder. And then, you know, Maybe that's why the old fricassette used to pong. Yeah, I remember. You used to eat it. Would you get, would finish up at the Recess. gym. And you'd eat it first lesson. We'd be sitting there in Maths Methods Year 12. And I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Because we'd rock up late from class. Uh, from to class because yeah. of the gym or some shit, and it was probably because you're going to your locker, bloody getting your full eggs. I just let it ferment in my locker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back onto quick yeah, fire questions. Keep going. Smokey to play every game in 2023. Obviously, you had Nick Martin last year, who absolutely killed it. Yeah, Nick Martin. Um, Nick Martin's not really smoky anymore. Um, no, I don't know if Will Setterfield's a smoky just because he's new. He's I don't know if you define him as a smoky, but I think he's a chance to play every game this year. He's come in and really set it a lot, I think. Um, one other smoky, Sam Durham. Yeah. That's not smoky. There you go. Uh, best housemate you've had? Shower. Ah, shower. My mate. Braden Ham. Unfortunately, he got delisted just then, but he was he's one of my great mates. Um, now I live with him just the year gone. Um, so yeah, he more Jai Caldwell there, who I've been living with for the past year. I'm going to live with Jai again for this year. He's and a good man. Real, the real Voss easy has moved type. in, hasn't he? Yeah, Patrick Voss moving in. All real easy guys to get along with. All laid back. They do their stuff. Do their dishes. There's no. Showerham didn't do his dishes at times, <laughs> but he didn't take him the shower with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then Harry would love to perk his ears up at this. Best spot for a night out in Melbourne. Oh jeez, probably the Espy for me. Just yeah, don't mind that beachy vibes. It is um, bloody good. It is good. You've been yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where we spend our time, or we go to a different like a pub, or like the Osmond or the Emerson. Otherwise, you can. Do you spend yeah. much time going out in like Melbourne city itself, or more St Kilda, Chapel Street, and stuff? No, the only time I've ever been out in the city is for like a club function. Yeah, and they yeah. book like one of those. Underground bar things like I've never been to the city on a night out like off my own back. Yeah. And uh, and how's it been back home seeing your mother and everyone? Real good, real good. We went as I said, we went down to Victor Harbour for Christmas. Just parked up by the pool that we had in the Airbnb that we booked. So I was just sunbathing by the pool, 
Christmas ham. I'm a bit crooked at the moment. If you kind of heard that throughout the whole body, it's probably I've been sick since Christmas Day, and I'm wondering Sass. if it is potentially the Christmas ham. <laughs> shower done the him. the Braden <laughs> Christmas Braden. Uh, no, nah, well, well thank more? you, Kane. Anything more you wanna? Yeah, is there? Before we finish? No, that's it. Thanks. Right. Thanks for, having me Thanks for coming on. It's been one that we've been looking forward to since the day we started. I remember calling you and telling you we were going to start this, and you said I'd love to come on. So it's been great to be able to. We've actually had him on before. We just never released it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We yeah, recorded a super drunk episode while watching the AFL Grand Final. Few <laughs> questions there with the and answers we're not ever going to share to the world. And yeah, that will never come out, will it? A uh, few strikes. Too much talk about women. So, yeah. Now, nah, farewell. We appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for and coming uh, on. It's great to see you. It's great to see you too. You. It's been a little bit. And we'll see you when we're over in Melbourne very, yeah, very soon. All right. We oath. Sorry. We oath. We fucking. Ugh. Fucking oath. All right. <laughs> um, go check him out, Kane Baldwin, uh, on all the socials. And go watch him Fox on footy. Bloody Fox Footy. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, for those of you, of course, we've talked about it in the forum, probably seen on the socials, Glenelg Tagua is coming up, I th- think, days. about six days from the day this releases. Um, so go check out Lincoln. Please link donate if yeah, you have Please don't. You would have uh, seen donate. our lovely story in the advertiser. Yes. But, um, yeah, thank you all, Kane. Pleasure always. And we'll see you in the next one.